chose the hymn that we just sang, 269, uh, very powerful words in theology. There is a prayer above it that I want to read to you. You can turn there if you would like to. It's in, it's 268. That's right above the 269 that we just sang, Lord, who throughout these 40 days, reminds you that it is the 40 days less the Sundays when we count it, because a lot of times people ask me that. I counted, and there's, there's more than 40 days up until Easter because we don't count the Sundays. And uh, we began our Lenten season Wednesday night with Ash Wednesday service, a very powerful service. Uh, Reverend Tammy Jackson preached. Just a good anointing, the whole service. I mentioned it and make reference to it. If I didn't realize that that night until I got home about the shooting and all that occurred in the school in Florida until that night. And I don't know if you noticed in the Gadsden Times the next day on Thursday morning the picture that was there. It was, I guess it was a mom hugging a child there at the scene. And she had the cross, a similar cross that she had apparently been to at Ash Wednesday service maybe at noon that day. But had the symbol there. It just stood out to me because we had just had the service. This prayer that I want to read to you in 268 is just a Lenten prayer. It goes like this, and you're welcome to keep your eyes open or you may want to bow. Oh God, our deliverer, you led your people of old through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide now the people of your church that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And everyone said, Amen. I speak that prayer not only over us, but over those family members that uh, lost loved ones. This morning, the title of the sermon is called Vineyard Song. I've chosen the text, and it is a song. It's a song about a vineyard that I'm going to read to you from the book of Isaiah. So as we look at the God, Yahweh, during Lent, I'm going to preach some from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah can be a very powerful read and encouraging read, but all of a sudden, boy, he can hit deep. And this is one of those passages in Isaiah, the fifth chapter. And so I want to read to you this vineyard song. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up, he cleared out its stones, and he planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst. The tower is a symbol of protection. And also made a wine press in it. Hebrew, the better translation is, is, is a wine vat. Wine press or a wine vat in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Again, in the Hebrew, a better translation is rotten grapes, stink fruit, literally. But it brought forth wild, stinky, rotten grapes. Verse 3, and now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard? that I have not done to it. Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth rotten grapes? And now, and now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. 
I will take away its hedge and it shall be burned. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain, no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. He looked for righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. The word of God for the people of God. That's kind of a hard one to say thanks be to God on, but that's still part of God's word. And I want us to talk about it because it is a part of God's word and and God put it in there for us to read. I know I hear people say, well, I, I enjoy reading the New Testament, the God of the New Testament more than the God of the Old Testament. Well, it's the same God. Don't forget that. He changes not. But fortunately for us, we get to see the whole book. I really feel for the people of Israel that when they received this, and I, you know, we, we wonder how God gave the word through Isaiah. Did he just sit down and write this whole book? Probably not. These are probably a series of sermons and prophecies that he gave, and then they compiled them. But at one point, people of Israel, the people, men of Judah and Jerusalem, they heard this, this song about this vineyard. The preface of the book, of any book, usually is fairly short, but the preface of this book, Isaiah covers five chapters, one through five. So the prophet sets out to diagnose Israel's condition and to offer a prognosis, as he reads, if you read along in Isaiah. Up to chapter five, the infection of sin in the nation's life is not terminal. A remnant exists such that there remains the hope of cleansing and a hope of new creation. Yet we get to chapter five. You read this and it doesn't sound too good. Hope is abandoned. Nothing is left but doom. The prophet sings a song about his friend and the vineyard that he has planted. He then sings for his friend who mourns the state of his vineyard and his sad decision to walk away from it. The prophet finally reveals who his friend is. It is the Lord God Almighty, and his vineyard is the house of Israel. If God were to write a song about the vineyard of your life, what kind of song would he write? He could. He could write a song about us. He could write a song about you. It reminds you that the letters that he wrote in the book of Revelation, remember those seven letters to the churches? I've preached on that before, but he could write a letter about our church. He could write a letter about me. That's kind of scary. Now, I wouldn't want you to read the letter he wrote about me. But I can tell you this, of those seven letters in Revelation, there's something familiar with all of the letters, and I think perhaps there might be some familiar lyrics song that God might write about us but in Revelation in those seven letters every letter opens with the exact same line do you remember what it is I know you we can't escape that nobody can I know you 
The other thing that is written within all of the seven letters is that the word repent is found in five of the letters, but it's implied in the other two. You can read all seven of those letters. So the understanding of repentance is within every letter. And then he ends with the exact same line in every one of the letters. Let him or her who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit has to say. So we know God could write a letter about us, so he could write a song about us. So to ask it another way, if God were to write a song about you and about your vineyard, what would be the lyrics? As you and I enter into Lent, and we're making our way to Easter, think about the fruitfulness of your life. Maybe I've thought about it this week and been in the conviction of some of the rotten fruit that I produce in my vineyard. I like all styles of music. Uh, there's some songs I like in any genre of music. I like the 50s music that my mom and dad grew up in. I grew up in the late 70s, Boston, Chicago, Foreigner. I still like some of those. I still turn to 93.1 every now and then. I'm seeing the nod. I heard an amen over there, yeah. But I, I like rock music. Uh, I like country music. It's not my favorite. Some of you love country music. The lyrics to me in country music sometimes is just, there is a tear in my beer. All my exes live in Massachusetts. Isn't that what he says? No, you know what the lyric says. All my exes live in Texas. I was talking to somebody this week and uh, we got to talking about country music, and she said, oh, she's a member of our church. She said, oh, I remember one years ago, because it's Valentine's this week. She said, two dozen roses and a bottle of wine, oh, baby, baby. Don't hope that will change your mind. The prophet sings a song for his friend, a song with words that become the words of the friend. The friend gives his utmost care of this vineyard. We read this in here. The best preparation, the best vines, a watchtower is built there to protect it from thieves. A wine vat is a better translation, a wine vat for storage. It's double fenced, the hedges around it. Then he waits for the produce. But even after all the effort, the grapes are, and I gave you that translation, stink fruit. They're rotten. The image presented is the Lord's total care for his people. But the result is as if no care was given at all. Now, singing as the friend, the prophet asked the question, what more could I have done? A fruitless vineyard then faces destruction. We read it. So it will be destroyed, it will be devoured, become a wasteland, infested with thorns, devoid of any kind of moisture. I'll let no rain be on it at all. And again, we, we realize that the friend is God. And the vineyard is his people. What's your favorite fruit? Don't jump up and shout. It's a rhetorical question. What, what is your favorite fruit? If I had to narrow mine down, it would be a beautiful, delicious peach. I mean, when they're ripe, they are delicious. My granddaddy Powell loved homemade ice cream, but his favorite Homemade ice cream is peach. He would travel 
uh, Illajay, Georgia. He would go up there, and that's the name of it. He might go to Crow Mountain. He would travel down to Clanton. He would go up on Chandler Mountain. Whenever the peaches were in, he would make sure to have some basket of peaches when they were fresh, and he would have Granny to make homemade ice cream. He'd call us all down. We'd eat ice cream. Y'all, I'm telling you, we're going to have peach ice cream in heaven. You just bank on it. My wife still makes it the old-fashioned way where you break the eggs in there and they're just raw in there. That makes the best ice cream. So if you come to our house, you're going to eat it the old-fashioned way. I love peach ice cream. One time, I bit into a beautiful, beautiful peach. At least from the outside, it was beautiful. But I bit into it a big old bite. And it was rotten on the inside. Deep, thick, smelly, rotten brown juice was on the end of my lips and I was spitting it out as best I could horrible picture I just gave you it's a tough picture we have to read a tough song we have to hear the lyrics and so forth of God anytime you find rotten fruit inside your refrigerator you know when you open up the strawberries and they're got green stuff going you don't eat them they're no good they're rotten one time we grew a science project in the back of our refrigerator. Stayed back there for eight years. I got it out. Don't tell Lana I said it really wasn't eight years, but there was broccoli and cheese sauce. I saw something move inside there. I, it, it was alive. Oh, it was horrible. Oh, God. We did not eat it. It was rotten. And we, we have God singing a song about a vineyard and about rotten fruit. What a visual. Ezekiel 15 says, A vine is good for fruit, but it's good for nothing at all. That's my paraphrase. That's Ezekiel 15. Israel was good for nothing. Even Jesus applied the image of the fruitless vineyard. And Jesus used a lot of illustrations about a vineyard and fruit and the lack thereof. And so this is in Matthew 21. It is the parable of the tenants. The church of Jesus' day, the religious crew, the Pharisees, they rejected they rejected their Lord. So therefore Jesus said that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and will be given to a people who will produce its fruit. Oh, thank God. That's a part of the plan because that means you and I got grafted in to the vine. I'll get me a people who will produce fruit is what he said. It's easy to See these words and apply them to faithless Israel. A lot of times I'll just confess to you, I'll read sometimes and I'll think, how, how could they do that? <laughs> and then I think about my own vineyard sometimes. I think, how could I do that? And yet sometimes my life is just rotten fruit. Sour grapes, sour fruit, are an evidence of a far greater problem. Jesus makes this point in Luke 13, again, a, a parable of the fig tree. The fruitless fig tree is given one more chance to bear fruit worthy of its continued existence. The fruit is defined as the fruit of repentance. Jesus said, I tell you, unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. John the Baptist Similarly, he links the sour fruits to repentance. 
In Luke, the third chapter, John the Baptist said, Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Keep fruit within keeping with repentance. Again, as we celebrated Wednesday night, everything about that opening day of Lent is about the fact that we got a God that allows us to repent. When none of us have a chance, not even the choir members, if this holy God, this Yahweh, I am, didn't come to you and I and give us the opportunity to repent and to live a repentant life. That's the good news. And I'm not going to end with chapter 5 in this story because I thank God that Isaiah is not just five chapters long. Isaiah is 66 chapters long, and so we get to see the full story. In fact, as as desolated as it seems of this vineyard in chapter 5, thank God for chapter 6, because that's the one where Isaiah comes into the presence of God. He does say this, Woe is me, for I am undone, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Thank God for chapter 6 and thank God for the rest of Isaiah that we're studying. And I want to begin to wind down and share with you this verse from Isaiah that we went back over in the Wednesday morning Bible study. Some of the ladies are here. and I shared with them Isaiah 41.10 and they reminded me that this was Pastor Vicki Manns, one of her number one top five scriptures, Isaiah 41.10. I don't have it on the screen, but I want you to go home and read it and memorize it in light of what we've been reading in chapter 5 of Isaiah. Thank God for Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, thank God that Isaiah had some more words to write. In fact, in Isaiah 41, verse 13, it's the first time in 41 chapters that God refers to Yahweh as Redeemer. But 13 more times in the book of Isaiah, he refers to Yahweh as Redeemer. I, I, I cringe sometimes at what the people of Israel had to hear sometimes from the prophets. They didn't have the New Testament like we do. But the good news is, is we're making our way to Easter, and we know the outcome. So as you reflect on your vineyard, thank God there is a cross. Thank God there's a bloody Savior. And thank God there's an empty tomb. This is the journey that we're going on so that we can call him Redeemer, so that we can repent of all the rottenness in our own vineyard and ask him to redeem and restore us. Thank God for Easter. Is God in your vineyard? God wants to be. He don't want to take out the tower. He he don't want to remove the vat. He don't want to say no more rain. Read that sometimes he gets frustrated with his own people. But thank God for Easter, where we're headed.
Oh, God, thank you for Easter. Fear not. I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Lord, I, I repent. Sometimes I, I, don't even, I don't always have the kind of fruit. In fact, I just own it. God, I, I sometimes produce rotten fruit. I thank you, God, for Easter. I thank you for the cross. Thank you, God, for being our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing the closing hymn, It's Just As I Am, hymn number 357. We'll sing selected verses. You'll see them there in your bulletin. I believe I have them listed as 1, 3, 5, and 6. 1, 3, 5, and 6. Let's stand together, hymn number 357, Just As I Am, Without One Plea.